All right, everyone. Welcome to the show. We have Carl Alomar as our guest today. Super excited to to learn from him and uh, share some great experiences. Thanks for coming, Carl. Hey, Jay. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, uh, why don't we have you start with uh, sharing some of your experiences uh, that you've had over the years as an entrepreneur and operator and investor? Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, many, many years, unfortunately. Hopefully, you know, I wish it was less, but it was, it's not. Um, yeah, I, I started my career, I kind of went into the work environment following an education in engineering, which I think really set me up to move into technology. Um, I, I, you know, grew up in the UK, but moved to the US after I got my degree. And uh, after a couple of years, I really kind of found my feet in entrepreneurship. Started my first company in, I think, 97, uh, ended up exiting in 2000. Uh, right in the middle of the bubble burst, kind of went through the, all the drama related to, to that, but luckily was able to exit and get out. Uh, and then stayed with that company for another year before I decided to go do an MBA in Columbia or New York. Um, after my MBA, I set up my second company. It was a fintech business, um, a global business. Uh, did pretty well with that. We grew it over a space of five years or so to about 140 million in revenue. Uh, we did go through the bubble, you know, the uh, financial crisis with that one. So I kind of have a habit of hitting, you know, the right categories at the right time, apparently. But uh, again, we got through, we, we built a pretty good company. As I said, we landed about 140 million in revenue in 2009 and then sold the company in early 2010. Um, a couple of years later, after kind of taking board seats and investing and doing kind of things that you do after an exit, I actually met the founding team of DigitalOcean uh, and uh, joined them, ultimately joined them as COO, uh, right as they were launching their first product. Um, and help build that business essentially from the ground up over a six year period to about 250 million run rate, uh, 500 plus people. And obviously since then, for people that know that category, the company went public, has done really well. And I think at this point is running somewhere in the range of 650 million run rate. So really, really good growth, good solid company, something to be really proud of. Um, yeah. Following DigitalOcean, I really made the switch into investing and I, I joined, uh, a couple of brothers who'd founded a, a fund named M13. Uh, we launched Fund 2 together uh, in 2019, early 2019. And now we're investing out of Fund 3 and um, really just trying to put a lot of the experience and and kind of firsthand knowledge that I've been able to gain over the last, I won't say how many years, but, that, but trying to, you know, give that to other founders and other entrepreneurs and really trying to help people build, you know, businesses that I would personally be super proud of. And, and, you know, I think we've got a family of incredible founders and incredible portfolio of companies and, you know, excited to see where we can help them go. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty amazing portfolio. I was looking through it earlier today. It's a, it's a very impressive list. It's amazing. Um, so one of the things I wanted to ask, uh, Warren Buffett has this famous quote of uh, being a businessman makes me a better investor. Being an investor makes me a better businessman. Um, what are the things you have learned as an investor that entrepreneurs don't know and need to know? Yeah. What do you wish they knew? I, I love that. I love that. I, um, you know, something that I think uh, smart founders always try and do is put that, put themselves into the into the mindset of the investor to understand exactly what the opportunity looks like from the perspective of the investor. I don't think enough people do that. So yeah, one thing that I've really learned is I've really learned the mechanics of investing. Like, why do you invest? What are we trying to do? What is the power law? What is the opportunity for return? Uh, and then framing 
you know, for the benefit of, of raising money, framing your business to accommodate things that, you know, investors need to see to complement and build their portfolio. Also understanding, yeah. you know, what is the portfolio of an investor and what's the likelihood that the category that we're building in is a complement to the portfolio they already have. So I think you can be a lot more strategic and a lot smarter about who you're talking to, how you're presenting the business, you know, and, and how to, to really find the right partner ultimately that's going to, you know, whose portfolio and whose personal experience is going to complement what you're trying to do as a, as an operator. Yeah. I love it. Um, that's amazing. Is there anything that, uh, is like a common mistake that you see that entrepreneurs make as they're, uh, talking to investors? I think a lot of our listeners are kind of hitting that point where, uh, they're either through a pre-seed seed and they're probably getting to, uh, I've seen this in my experience at each of those phases, you get to kind of larger groups, more experienced groups. Uh, more professional groups. A lot of times you're shifting from angels into institutional investors. What are some of those things you're like, don't do this? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is, uh, it's, it's very, very interesting to kind of see the breadth of different types of approaches and different ways in which people, um, think about investing. I think about getting investment. Um, I would say one of the things that's a big no, no, that we always have a little chuckle about on the investing side is when a seed company is like uh, overselling, pitching itself as I am your next Decacorn, I am this, I am that. Um, I think there's a certain amount of confidence, but humility that needs to go with you yeah. pitch your business. There needs to be confidence in your ability to build something really special, but there needs to be humility in the sense that you know you have a lot to prove, you know you have a lot to get done. The, the people that uh, try and pitch their businesses as the de facto next Decacorn in their category and the winner of of a category that is already overcrowded with God knows how many people like those things just put you off right away. Um, I think another thing really to note is, uh, investors invest in people. So sometimes when a founder has a really good business and they feel, you know, maybe some somewhat self-assured, they can become very arrogant in their process. And what you've got to understand is the person yeah. investing in you or the person you want to invest in you partly investing in you because they like you and they think they can work with you. And if, uh, if it's a very, um, you know, aggressive and, and arrogant approach you take in terms of how you're negotiating or how you're managing the, the relationship, it's very easy to put off an investor. One thing to always remember as an entrepreneur is once an investor decides they like your business, the next, like whatever period of time of diligence that they go through is all about trying to pick holes in it and figure out why they shouldn't invest in it. And so yeah. if you give them reasons to think about that, if you give them reasons to not invest, then those things are going to work against you over time. So I think it's very important that you, you really think of it as a courting period on both sides. They need to sell you on them. You need to sell yourself to them. Um, and, uh, and you need to make sure that you're, you're building a partnership that actually works and that, that, you know, mutually you can work well together on. I love that. I always say when friends call up or people I know say, I have this idea and it's going to be, we're going to make billions. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> have you ever I'm made not, billions I don't think... before? Do you know what it takes? <laughs> not yeah. easy. It's, so, it's yeah. not, not easy. Yeah. Yeah. No, I love that. I think that's great. I, I think that's a hard thing for entrepreneurs sometimes is um, remembering that like, hey, this has got to be a two-way thing. It's got to be a good relationship. There's got to be those 
uh, I mean, you're really, uh, all of the investors in, in the different businesses that we have, you're really married in many ways. I mean, I talk to those people often, uh, unfortunately, fortunately, but also sometimes unfortunately, as much as my wife. Yeah. And you just spend a lot of time together. You're building over years and years and years. And so I try and find that work-life balance, but I'm sure you have the same thing where it's, it's, hey, let's find that work-life balance, yeah. but we're going to talk a lot. We're going to be in a lot of situations together. Well, always uh, what that's are some what of... you do. So, you know, you're yeah. going to get into something you're not going to love, then it's a lot more difficult than, you know, if yeah. you feel like you're calling a friend, then it's okay that you talk with them every week, you know, every week or every other day or yeah. crises. Like it's a friend, it's a friend. So I think keeping yeah. that in mind in terms of how the dynamic works is important. Yeah, no, I love that. Uh, what are some of those positive things that you look for in entrepreneurs, those traits that uh, really kind of stand out to you? I love the humility. I think that's a huge one. What are some other things that as you look at potential investments that you're looking for? Yeah, I think uh, when you talk about the entrepreneur themselves, um, you know, one of the, the prerequisites of any great firm is an entrepreneur that can build a great team. And one of the prerequisites yeah. of a great team is being able to deliver inspirational vision. And so one of the key thing, and this really is translated into how you pitch your business. You need to sit in front of an entrepreneur that truly inspires you. So from an entrepreneur's perspective, you need to make sure that you're truly inspiring the investor and, uh, and make sure that that reflects on, I mean, ultimately you're going to use that skill set in hiring people in, you know, getting your big clients in whatever it is you're doing in your business, but that ability to inspire is so key. Um, you know, it's a very, very separate skill set to the kind of category knowledge and expertise and the things that I think are also very important. But, you know, you can't be, you know, the greatest, uh, you know, financial mind in the world, but have zero EQ, because if you're not able to deliver that in an inspirational way, it doesn't matter how good you are, you're not going to get the backing that you want. And so there's got to yeah. be, there's got to be that interesting um, balance between uh, category skill and inspirational, just the ability to inspire the need. Now, often what we yeah. do is we ask ourselves, Hey, do I picture this person running a billion dollar company? Uh, cause that's ultimately what you want, right? Any founder is not just sitting there saying, yeah, I'll build it to 50 and then I'm going to give it to someone else, you know, and yeah. investors, we're not interested in founders that want to give it to someone else. We're interested in the founders that want to run billion dollar companies. And so even though it doesn't always work out that way, that's the goal on the, on the onset, right? So, so we, you have to kind of feel confident that maybe it's a young person, they haven't had all the experience in a while, but can they learn, can they grow, can they inspire? Like these are kind of key aspects of, of that. Uh, another thing we think about is also just what is the team we're investing in? So there's always going to be holes, but that yeah. core team that you're walking on, on is, is going to be the heart and soul of the business. It's going to drive culture. It's going to drive like directionally how they want to build. So if you get a team that's very, very product heavy, you know, they're building through product. If you get a team that's very, very sales heavy, you know, they're going to build through sales. So it gives you kind of a sense of how this company is going to grow and build. And then identifying the holes and making sure that you're aligned with the founders on, Hey, here are your obvious holes and what's the strategy to fill them. Uh, and it may not even, if it's an early seed round, it may not be in that round. It may be, Hey, we got to patch those holes until we get to a series A because we can't afford the right people. Uh, and that's fine, yeah. but just having that, that kind of cognizant ability to kind of lay out how you think this thing is going to grow, I think is also very valuable. 
I think kind of, as you were saying before, that ability to talk as a friend and, and talk through challenges. I think that sometimes uh, I even have noticed with myself that early on, I didn't want to call and say, hey, we're having a problem. Like we're going through a challenge. Uh, and I wanted to act like everything was perfect. Yeah. Uh, instead of saying, hey, these are the things we're going to do and here's how we got to fix it and some of those things. And so I think that's a that is a key piece. And I think also um, I love what you said about that vision and that inspiration, because I think that goes actually hand in hand with the the mistake of saying we're going to make billions. Yeah. The, the, the people who are inspiring, they're worried about solving problems more than they are about okay. this is going to be, uh, you know, we're yeah. just all going to be rich. Some really, it's a, really a, a really interesting adage that I've always lived by and I've always felt like has really worked for me is, you know, do what you do, do what you love and do it to the best of your ability. The money will come. Like if you are yeah. the best at what you do and absolutely love it, then you will, you will be successful in your own right. Now, obviously, depending on the category, what you're doing, that might be different levels of success. But you will get the satisfaction uh, if you. Yes. And so, if you're just building a business based upon the idea that oh, I'm going to make money, it's usually very rarely is that going to work. But if you're building yeah. a business thinking, hey, I want to build something that I really love and I really feel is special, and I actually truly believe everybody else will love it because it's so special, then you're going to build it from the heart, and people will buy into that, and, and you'll hopefully be able to build a business that truly can get traction. And it doesn't always work, and that's fine, but. When it does, it really does ring true and, and it makes, uh, you know, creates, you know, a great business potentially. Yeah. I love that. I think that that is a huge, uh, huge difference that you can see usually pretty quickly. Yeah. So that, that's great advice. What, uh, you think back to when you started, uh, as an entrepreneur, what has gone to plan? What has gone completely not to plan? Maybe nothing went to plan. What are, what are some of those lessons? I think that for me is something I like thinking. I was thinking about this morning. Like if you think, I graduated college in 08 and hasn't all gone to plan. Yeah. <laughs> it's been I crazy. mean, if you think the ends justify the means and they've done all right, <laughs> but <laughs> getting there has not, not always been easy. Um, I, I would definitely yeah. say the one consistency is that nothing ever goes to plan. Um, yeah. you know, you, you'll hit your numbers, you know, things will happen that are right. I've had incredible growth stories, but there's always, you know, you're always fighting battles. I think anybody who thinks they're going to go into it, it's going to be easy is just mistaken. You're just constantly fighting battles. You know, I already gave you kind of a quick brief, but you know, my first company had built it in the tech bubble, um, you know, was doing fantastically well, just getting all the hype, everything you can imagine. Uh, I was young. I say there wasn't really as much of a focus on business fundamentals back in those days. So I was just building for mass, yeah. really thinking about those things. I wasn't trained to, but ultimately, uh, you know, we were able to raise money. We were able to build a business and ultimately we were able to sell a business. But when the bubble burst, you know, I had to change, you know, we had like, um, a $20 million round of funding, you know, back in those days, very, very different numbers. So that was like a solid series B funding, $20 million. Yeah. Kind of funding. And literally the day I remember we had a fire alarm in the office and we all had to go outside to the parking lot. And then I get a phone call on my, you know, brick cell phone. If, if anybody <laughs> actually, oh, yeah. of those days, and it was the lead investor it was the morning I was supposed to go to their office, sign the final contracts and get the wire transfer. And it was the first day that the market took a massive dive. I think if you, 
people who know that type yeah. happened in like three stages. And so it was the first stage of that process. And they called me and they're like, Hey, we can't close. Our whole portfolio has gone underwater and we're like, you know, we're, we're scrambling right now. Uh, and suddenly, you know, you're the day you're going to get money and any entrepreneur would know, trust me, you've already spent that money. <laughs> you know, you've, yeah. got fire, you've got a full team, your burn rate is up there, you know, you're getting money. So you like, Hey, I, you know, two months burn, run rate is not a problem for me. Uh, because I know I'm going to get, you know, two years or three years of money, like in the next day. And so suddenly, you know, had to let go of half the company. We had to restructure. We had to do all these things to kind of just settle the business and make sure that we had time to find an alternative out outcome. Luckily we were being courted by two or three people. You know, the market was still at that point, not at its bottom. Yeah. And, and we had two or three new groups that were kind of courting us to say, Hey, don't raise money, come sell the company to us. And so we just moved super quickly and decisively. We were able to get a deal done. Um, it wasn't at the optimal value we would have wanted it to be, but it was an exit and it was good. And everybody got money in their pockets and, and, uh, and we were able to continue the business. And, uh, and so that, you know, that was an incredible challenge. Um, I faced a similar thing in 2008 with FinTech. I was, um, you know, we had, had about a hundred million dollars worth of credit lines. Uh, that we were lending against and we, uh, and we were all backed up by AIG as our kind of underwriter of record. Yeah. If you recall in those days, your graduation year, AIG was like on the verge of going under all the banks that we were working with were beginning to freeze their lending, uh, practices. And we just battled through the next year to be able to keep cash working. We had AIG, you know, the president of AIG or whoever it was, like was writing letters for us to the banks to say, Hey, we're, we're good. We're not you know, we're not going under, you know, your, you know, your security is safe with us. Oh and my gosh. Um, I'm, my wife now who, who, uh, you know, we were dating at that time, but my wife now, um, would tell me like, I was in New York had a head office in London. We had operations in China as well. And I would wake up like five in the morning or something to start my conference calls in London. And by the time she got up, uh, like eight, I was green and pale <laughs> and like the world's going to end today. And every day was the same thing. And then by the end of the day, we'd work through it. And then the next morning was the same thing. And it's, uh, you know, it's, it's incredible. It can be incredibly challenging. Um, but, uh, you know, you gotta stay calm. I think the key thing that worked to my benefit is I've always been a very, very calm leader. I never, I never, I've, I've rarely had knee jerk reactions. I always kind of stop and breathe and think before I take it. Yeah. And, but I'm also relatively decisive. So I don't, you know, I can kind of logically get to the right direction and then move with it. And I think that's been a real asset that I've, I've enjoyed and has helped me through the, yeah. the difficult times. Digital, yeah. DigitalOcean had its own issues too, but that probably went more to plan. I mean, that was, that is incredible yeah. growth story, but we had our momentary issues for sure through the whole process. <laughs> no doubt about that. Every, every startup does. Yeah. Uh, I think that's the the one, uh, the one consistency. And I think that's what I love when you meet with entrepreneurs who have been through that, they, they always kind of have that, like, eh, it could be worse. Yeah. I went through Oh two. I went through Oh eight. I went through Oh yeah. five. Yeah. It's not as bad as it could it's, be. It's a breeze so. right now. <laughs> yeah. This but isn't that crazy. Really, Cause I know a lot of people having a very, very hard time raising money and stuff, but it's definitely not what it was in Oh eight or, or 2000. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, uh, pretty amazing um as as you think think of some of those times as you think through some of those things 
as you said, some people are are going through those challenges. I love the stop and breathe. Yeah. You know, don't don't panic, don't knee jerk reaction. Any other advice for a founder who is in a similar spot? They yeah. they were expecting the next round to go through. Now it's not. They're in a tough spot. I have a lot of friends and contacts who are reaching out and saying they're in this exact uh, situation. They're like, I thought my Series A was going to go through last month, and now it's not. My burn's too high. What are some of those like principles of wisdom you can yeah. you can share with people? That's a very very specific. Problem and I know it's commonplace today, so it's very relevant. Let me talk more on the macro first. I, I think that yeah, you know, something to think about that that solve that doesn't solve, but that helps in um, a whole wide range of different problems you might face. And this really goes back down to who you choose to take money from, uh, and it's about surrounding yourself with the right people. So, and my first company, I had a makeshift board of people that really wasn't helpful. And I really was on my own when I was trying to solve the problem. And it was just a very, very, uh, there were four founders, but in reality, only one of them was kind of there helping me in, in that process. And it, you re yeah. really felt like you were isolated and it was like, I have no help. I have no one really, you know, everybody's telling me different things. No one's being really productive. Uh, I solved that in my FinTech company because I had the most incredible board you could imagine. I mean, I had the ex-head of Fitch Ratings, the ex-head of HSBC Asia. I mean, it's a fintech company with those type of people on the board. It was unbelievable. And they were incredibly helpful, incredibly supportive. And through all of the challenges of a frozen banking environment, they were not helping me navigate and think about how to solve, you know, on the supply side. Demand side was going through the roof, but it was the supply side for us that was a real problem. And so they were just incredibly solid. They, they put incredible amount of faith in me as a leader. And they made me feel very supported and secure. And they gave me very, very good advice. Um, I think DigitalOcean, we had a little bit of a mixed bag. In some cases, it was incredibly supportive. In some cases, it was less supportive. But ultimately, you know, if I were ever to do it again, or even boards that I go into a way I advise founders I work with now is build a board that you really, really admire, really trust, really lean on, who are going to be there for you. And so that works in every scenario. Now, when you, uh, you know, associate that to, um, you know, fundraising, which is the specific issue that you, you highlighted, uh, at the end of the day, you need people who are going to be in the trenches with you. And, you know, I'm doing this with companies I sit on the board with now. It's like, hey, let's navigate, let's figure out, are we delivering the right message? Do we need to help, like, you know, uh, revise the way we're pitching the business? Um, you know, are we speaking to all the people we can speak to? How can we help get introductions? How can we like really, really trying to kind of yeah. be part of the problem set and solve, or rather part of the, the attempt to solve the problem set. And I think you need those types of people around you. And I've been on boards where they're like, Hey, it's a problem. Okay. I'm out. I'm going to go focus on something else. You go figure it out yourself. And you got other boards where it's a problem. Well, I like you and I really believe in your business. Let's see if we can help you solve it. And you need them. Yeah. And so surrounding yourself with the right people, make sure I also see like sometimes founders are very hesitant to build their boards and are like trying to negotiate out of the board positions. But frankly, for me, boards have always been, or can be, if they're built correctly, incredibly helpful. And when you, yeah. when you try and go it alone, because you're trying to like maintain like this concept of control, um, which I don't really think boards change that much, but. Um, yeah. sometimes there's this illusion that, oh, if I have a board, then I'm going to lose control. 
what ultimately happens is in the bad times, you don't have the support. So, yeah. you know, the concept of losing control is also a concept of losing support. And so I think that thinking about who you want at the table with you and making sure you have them, you engage with them, you, you, you know, you work with them, you allow them into your business in a way that, you know, what we do at M13 is really focus on trying to be proactive. So we want to be in the business, understanding your problems before you even see them, rather than, as you said earlier, waiting for you to have a big problem to come and tell the board that now there's a big problem. And yeah. we don't want the rose, rose colored glasses. We want the, re the reality because that's how we can be helpful. And that's, I think, the type of board member that founders should really try and secure. That's amazing. Great advice. I think that's uh, very accurate that a lot of times entrepreneurs avoid that for whatever reason. Uh, and I think that's very wise counsel to build that group around you that can help you yeah. get through those tough times. Yeah. So awesome. Well, uh, as we're kind of wrapping up, anything that, that you're working on now that you'd love for people to go, you know, any calls to action, go uh, help with a charity. Is there something that you'd like people to go do as they're hearing this, learn more about you? What What's kind of those calls to action that you'd like to do? Well, my general there? call to action is be a good human. <laughs> very, very general. Great. Be a good human. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're always looking for great founders and great companies. And I'm always excited to talk to, you know, people we've had, we have vision, even if it's not something we end up investing in. So, you know, please share your ideas and your thoughts with us. I, best way to reach me is probably, uh, I mean, you can go to our website, it's m13.co, or you can just find me on LinkedIn. Uh, and that's probably the best way to connect with me and talk to me. But, um, but, you know, would love to just see what people are working on, you know, don't tell me you're building a billion dollar business. Show me you're building a billion dollar business and I'd love to make yeah. part of that. So I think that's the the thing that would be the best for, you know, to connect with, with everyone that's out there. Love it. Well, thank you again for all of the counsel and wisdom. Uh, it was, it was hard earned, I'm sure, uh, over the years, but, uh, appreciate you sharing it with the listeners who are out there trying to grind and, and be a better entrepreneur. So thanks again. Thanks, Jade. Appreciate the time.